I'm Olivia, and I love pop culture. I read what's popular, I watch what's being talked about, and I pretty much exclusively read fiction. I'm Jesse, and I have a PhD in rhetoric and composition. My scholarship is centered in history and feminist rhetoric. I'm basically always reading at least four books, and they're all nonfiction. When we're together, we love to talk about everything bouncing around in our brains, whether that's the latest celebrity scandal or how ancient philosophers influence women's rights. Our topics weave in and out from who's hot to inequities in our communities and their roots in patriarchy. Our conversations get wacky, but they're all feminist at heart. Well, they're feminish. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Olivia. Gosh, Jesse, I gotta tell you. The one thing that I want to read right now with my life is I'm so busy. I'm so caught up. I have too much on my plate. I'm, I'm dealing with some like weird uh, rental property related things. Not my rental property. The, the <laughs> I live in the you place live. that I'm renting. And guess what? The one thing that I'm just like, man, I could really pick up a good one of these. True crime. It is murder. a true crime murder. <laughs> so I need I have it on Goodreads. Like, what are, what's the top like fifty right now of like thriller? I I want like crazy psych ward slasher. Crazy. Ooh. I want alien. I want like I want crazy. I want dark. And that's luckily that's today's episode. Nothing is, like uh, listening to the story of someone ugh. being brutally murdered to uh yeah liven up your spirit. <laughs> I actually feel even a little bit better talking about that out loud and you know what else i started which i texted you immediately yes is yellow finally <laughs> olivia is watching yellow jackets i almost made the joke i was gonna text him be like why haven't you told me about this show <laughs> it would make you so mad i would be so mad so sometimes guys i'm a little bit like what why like i i'm a little slow on the uptake especially if you're joking with me and it's funny because i will tell olivia something like 27 times and then yeah. finally she's like why didn't you tell me about this oh and i fall for it every single time i'm like i have been telling you because I knew. And here's yeah. the thing. I think I told you that there's some things you're going to love about Yellow Jackets and then like some things you would probably hate. And so it's far, one I love all of thing it. in particular, which is stories about teenagers. You and know, I wasn't sure how you'd feel, but I think because it's both them in the future yes. or present day, I guess, yes. and them in the past, maybe yes. it's more dynamic. Yeah. I think that the teen, so I do hate them um, in their present day, but then <laughs> it's fast. It turns into a very, um, so slight spoilers for Yellow Jacket, only sure. the first three episodes. So please skip ahead like one to two minutes. Um, the first episode obviously hits hits off the races. Like it's very Lord of the Flies. Yeah. It's very like what happens if you take all these bratty teenagers and and I think they, one of the first scenes is that very like dramatic yes. thing in the forest where you yep. can't quite tell who's what. Yep. And even yeah, I will. I won't say anymore because it's well, for the whole. But first it is season, the first but... five minutes when she's running through the woods and then yeah. falls. All right. So tell me why yes. when I am not feeling great, I'm overwhelmed. I'm not doing good things. That when I'm watching that, I'm riveted. Like, it was not overwhelming. It was not like, oh, my God, I just watched something really crazy. Like, I was like, wow, like, what is it about women? Like I, I think it's because, and I mean, obviously, like, I think a lot has been written, which we'll get into about uh, mm -hmm. why we like to crime. But I think it is a way to relish in my problems, not as bad as this person's mm, problem or like yeah. or or feel some kind of way of escape or even refuge like i don't it, yeah. it feels it feels comforting to be like well at least i'm not being hunted yeah in the forest yes <laughs> so it's interesting that you say that because i feel like it's catharsis like mm -hmm. it's like oh like it makes me get so wound up that i am then able to release and 
Um, we both have our research and you mm. have a book today, but I pulled up a four. book that we've both read, yes. which is, I think, yeah, a first for this uh, oh, podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is where our passions, uh, where Overlap. the Venn diagram is the true crime. Um, but I pulled up four different articles and they all have a different reason. They all have a different like, this is why. And I even oh, think that the book has a different like, it's not really. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us what the book? That I'll you tell you today. briefly about the book. And because I just finished reading it, I think it can give a, a pretty quick assessment. Yeah, but, you're going to be fresher than me. Um, it's called Savage Appetites, True Stories of Women, Crime, and Obsession, and it's by Rachel Monroe, um, who does live in Marfa, Texas, which we went to Marfa, Texas last yeah, you year. Told, it's a very I, small I get town. shocked by that every time because I'm yeah. like, oh yeah. You, <laughs> it's you a really that. small place. Yeah. Um, but she basically, she basically writes this book from four, there's four chapters surrounding like mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. angles of women's engagement in crime, and she's interested in it. Yeah, essentially to figure out what is it about our kind of obsession with yeah, mur- murder, dirt, murder, dirt, yeah, 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 into four, into four bits. And so the first chapter is about the woman from like the 1920s, the dollhouse woman, yeah, who who make who did little recreations of yeah. crime scenes. Well, there's four archetypes in the book, right? There's oh, the yes. defender, she's the, the detective, the detective, the victim, the what the defender, the last, and the, defender. the killer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she kind of dives into it from four different types of women. Exactly. So it's like, which one are you? Right. And so, well, or let we contain multitudes. Yeah. <laughs> the victim is really an interesting foray that I did not know about into the victims' rights movement, mm-hmm. and essentially kind of preying on our worst yeah. base fears of like the white woman is the cult, you know out, everyone's out to get her, and it's sort of not uh, doesn't play out in facts. Um, but essentially, uh, that's a really good deep dive on that. And she takes it from the perspective of the woman who ends up befriending yes. uh, uh, um, Tate. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. The Tate, what's her the Tate name? family. Uh, Sharon. Sharon. Sharon Tate, Tate yeah. who was killed by and then she becomes, uh, the Charles like, obsessed Manson with it. family. Yeah. Exactly. And mm-hmm. she becomes sort of obsessed with it. It's really interesting. Like, how close is like, why are you friends with them and for yeah. what reasons? And But then also, like, ended up being really important in their family. The third chapter, The Defender, is all about the West Memphis Three and mm-hmm. then both the website founded by women, like mm-hmm. early in the website mm-hmm. days, and the woman who marries him and has like mm-hmm. this long, decades long relationship with him before he's ever exonerated. Really interesting in terms of like why are women drawn to yeah. this role? And I have thoughts on that. And then finally, The Killer is about. Um, Online communities memorializing or kind of obsessing over yes. um, mass murders, and so, notably the Columbine uh, killers. Yes. Which, I knew you were going to join Which was honestly a little <laughs> bit creepy because yeah. I didn't know that this was existing on Tumblr and people like were making cute flowery yep. memes about Dylan Klebold. Very, yeah. Like very troubling stuff. Yeah. So. so I was going to ask your opinion. I've been waiting for you to finish it on how yes. the book starts with the two women that are more on, you know, the justice side, the detective side, the victim side, right? Mm-hmm. And then it ends with two women who are defending and 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 yeah, being a part of these things. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, wait a minute, am I is my obsession over true crime actually not like not healthy or helping? But I found that to be very interesting that I mean, she chooses she the two good questions yeah. about like it's We're not sh- neutral. Yeah. Ooh. Um. <laughs> Here's a, th- uh, a thing she says that's really interesting. I'm going to try to find it uh, if you want to talk about. Oh, I think I marked a page. Yeah, you did. Look at it. Uh, <laughs> so she talks about like the differences between like um, advocacy as a as a as a mm-hmm. career for women, like mm-hmm. in terms of. OK, and I know a lot of students I <laughs> 
I have a lot of students who really noble. They want to be doctors and lawyers and like, you know, solve world Good problems. Good for them. Oh, amazing. And the way in which law can be really, really problematic for a woman. Mm-hmm. Right. The All of the double standards that play out in the courtroom, um, you know, when you're being aggressive or bossy versus like being, you know, taking a hard line, like mm-hmm. the, how, how we're characterized. Right. Right. But it says advocacy can be fraught for women. Although most law students now are women, the vast majority of trial lawyers, particularly those who take on high profile speaking roles, are still men. Um, In part, it's because we don't occupy prominent places in the courtroom, all those things I just said. But the other thing is... um, Okay, so she says a little bit more. This, Despite this tightrope, plenty of women still take on advocacy roles, both within the legal profession and outside of it. Women are disproportionately represented among indigent defense programs and other vocations that require an affinity for the underdog. I've always thought of this as an unexpected side benefit of sexism, how the experience mm. of being dismissed or ignored, of interacting with systems that don't prioritize you, can make you alert to injustice that exists elsewhere in the world. Similarly, I know I'm not the only woman who draws satisfaction from true crime stories that expose the corruption and errors of people in positions of authority. For example, what happened with the West Memphis Three. The shadow side to this, however, is something such as the satanic panic, a narrative that was largely advanced by women. The role of the defender, the one who knows the real truth buried behind the official version, can tip into unsupported righteousness frighteningly Mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. So that's really an interesting, like level of layers um she also talks about the way in which we are primordially um inclined to like keep on going i think i told you about this like there's this something about like this these long like the west memphis three were wrong they were in prison for like i think like 15 years at like Mm -hmm. a really long time um and that all of like this, she stuck by him and ca- they kept doing all this stuff and kept doing all this stuff and kept doing all this stuff. And like her whole life was essentially defined by this other person's experience. That's a really. Yeah. So I lot. have questions like tr- like truly questions. Yeah. So. so to bring it back to our podcast a little bit also, I have it. So you said, um, what did you say about your reasoning for true crime? It's like you feels like um, you can get out of it, or like I think feels that, like I think your problems aren't as of, bad. I think there's a sense of escapism, mm-hmm. um, and that it and that it makes our problems yeah. feel relative. Okay. And then mm-hmm. I said catharsis. So I've got mm-hmm. some articles here, and they are, are kind of weak, which kind of made me a little bit angry because this is a phenomenon. Like this is like so. It's a New York Times article. It's a Vanity Fair article. It's a Psychology Today yeah. article. Like these aren't places. And she the, opens this book being at like a crime true crime convention right like it's a right. thing so it's crazy to me that it's a thing it's such a thing that um there's a stat that of all of the um audible and ebook downloads eight of true crime 80 percent of them are women 80 mm-hmm. percent of them are women right uh if you look at the uh the submarine thing that happened recently um that was all women we were all like enamored we were all freaking out over like everything right i don't none of my guy friends were like yeah the submarine but you and i were like that's not right titanic it's interesting it's interesting because like what what are men reading <laughs> i don't know if that's sports like a, oh I, my God. I, where are the other what are okay, they so leads my hypothesis here's my hypothesis is that first of all they need to be writing more about this because it's a phenomenon but of course they're not going to write about women my hypothesis is that it is a, actually a power play and a control play. 
Women mm. are out. We feel out of control. We do not have control. We do not have power. Oh, I think that's a ni- another commonly held mm-hmm. reason too of like yeah. the 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 idea of having what if I if I read ten books about ten different ways a woman could die, I yeah. would be prepared yes. for this inevitable yes. situation in my own life. And it's community. You're like you feel you're like okay i got it and i think that that men get that in sports i think that men get a sense of community Mm. and camaraderie through the patriarchy first of all like they have structures (laughs) that they have to uphold to and it's sports or it's like other uh, common groups even though men are less social they're still more likely to go to a pickup basketball game or a Mm -hmm. pickup board game or something like that right Mm. women though we are shouldering a lot we are taking on a lot of emotional (laughs) burden and so I think that true crime is a way for us to feel in control, in power. And okay, well, you know, I'm not being murdered like that, but now I'm prepared or now I feel close to you when I'm talking to you about true crime. Like, can you believe, you know, mm. it's just, it's a common thread that we all have this innate fear yet interest in it. Mm-hmm. That's that my hypothesis. That's a control thing. Now, the New York yeah. Times article um, starts with one thing that a lot of us have in common. Did you ever go to camp? Were you a camp kid? Like summer camp? Yeah. Or like a sleepaway? Or did you ever yeah. tell scary stories around well, the, the fire? Well, I was obsessed with that idea. Yes. And I loved Are You Afraid of the Dark oh. on Nickelodeon. And I've recently, if you want to go on, well, but, okay. Wherever you go to watch things, <laughs> find some old episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? They are so campy and I almost love them even more than I did as a kid. But yes, full on ghost story. Incredible. I loved reading those scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah, I just as a had kid. It up. I those it were up. like my favorite thing that I would Ugh. get. I would check it out from the library. Like for some reason we just didn't I need to own, own them. these again. And they like they just was almost like too scary, but they I could unlimited rent them from the library. So looking at these covers, it's so nostalgic. It's punching me in the nostalgia. Yeah. And I don't know, I know my mom has them. I'm actually gonna ask her if she still has them, but we definitely I had put them copies. in my Amazon cart like 27 times and I've never bought them. Oh my them, god. So. so um fun fact, I don't think my mom's listening this far in the podcast. If she is, then she's a true champ for <laughs> um, but my mom is a writer. She wrote short stories back in her um, like before I was even born, and they were horror thriller stories. Oh, cool! Um, I so, didn't know that. Yeah, one of them's called Sarah's Clouds. Like my name used to be Sarah, and it was like about this little girl that was like premonitioning creepy things through oh, the clouds. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So really cool. So I think my mom had a lot of these things as like research, so they were all around the house. But my mom also definitely has a big interest in true crime and has all of that stuff open. And she actually called me to tell me to watch Yellow Jackets also. And I was <laughs> like, you're not the first one. Well, I was like, but also, mom, my God. <laughs> aren't you, Um, I was going to say also, Yellow Jackets, is, Yellow Jackets is not unrelated to uh, true crime because we have Misty Quigley who is, um, oh involved in some true crime uh, <laughs> online detective hunting, uh, uh, like citizen detective stuff. I love Misty. I, yeah. For anyone watching Yellow Jackets, <laughs> I actually love her. I think she's a fascinating character and I think she shows how isolation can really warp your mind mm-hmm. and the feeling of being wanted and the feeling of like having a friend is so powerful to some people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of this back to say, if we were just kinder to each other and had better communities than a lot of the stuff, you know, People aren't driven to extremes when they are included and wanted and needed and loved, um, which I don't think Misty is. But I mean, I'm defending they're all, Misty. They're all also very damaged. <laughs> oh, for they're sure. all in- incredibly messed uh, up. The premise know, of Yellow Jackets, by the way, mm-hmm. if you've not watched it, is that uh, there is a, a women's, they're a high school soccer team going to nationals mm-hmm. and their plane crashes and they're 
left to fend for themselves and in the woods for an indeterminate foot. amount of time and things are afoot. But it tells a story from some of the women in the present day. Mm-hmm. Which and is, then it leaves a bunch uh, of people out. So you're like, who's dead? Who's alive? What happened in the woods? After Questions. this podcast, I've got a big thing to say. Because that first episode is masterful. Yeah. Ma- it's a it really is a good work show. of art and how it twists your expectations of, oh, I think I'm going to root for these people. But then by the end, you're like, wait a minute. Also, do you mm-hmm. know who Misty is? She's Wednesday Adams. Well, I know because I know Christina Ricci. Oh. Just, okay, cool. I don't know. Oh. It, took, it took me a while to be like, who is that? And I was oh. like, it's Wednesday. It's no, like, I love Christina yeah. Ricci. I, I was like a Christina Ricci fangirl in the 90s. Really? So of I course did, I knew her. I was not. And I was like, why and is she from, so She's in Casper, which is a, sh- a movie that um, I really loved as well. So like all yeah, of you that know, I don't from love the, the 90s. I'm not a Casper fan. I don't know why. Oh, weird. Yeah. It might have to do with like the children thing again, but... <laughs> Um, oh I yeah, didn't there's know. teen angst in, in Casper. What else? Hold on, there was like something else. So yeah, Wednesday, Yellow Jackets, Casper. But then she didn't really like between 1995 and now. She mm-hmm. wasn't really in. I mean, I think one of the cool things about that show, same really with well, Juliet Lewis has been doing other stuff too. But like, mm-hmm. I love Juliet Lewis mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Everyone can go watch it. Really. Mm-hmm. Even uh, my friend, shout out to Karen. I don't know if she listens, but my friend Karen was nervous because she's a really anxious plane Mm -hmm. traveler. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, I don't really know if I'd be able to handle it. And I was like, really, if you can just get through. um, Yeah, it's a private plane, first of all. So it's like. Oh, yeah. I'm. I like assume you'll die in a private yeah. place. Oh my God. Oh, she was in <laughs> Speed Racer too. That's what she oh, was yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Speed Racer. Yeah, I would say about the plane thing Um, to go on a side, 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 it's side tangent. Li- have you got, did, have mm-hmm. you, you've been, like you've been on the plane crash with them? I don't know. What do you mean? There's an extended scene of the plane crash. Oh, I don't yeah, know yeah. when it happens. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it's, that's it's terrifying. really the only, mm-hmm. the rest of it is just like the concept of they were in a plane crash. But that yes. scene itself is pretty intense. But I think it was actually, for me, it was horrifying to watch. But also, again, going back to this, I was like, like what would it be like to die in a, a plane crash? A little more prepared. Like, stay sure. in my seatbelt so you don't go flying into the thing and then get out immediately in case of fire. Oh, yeah. Fire. I think like, a lot of people in plane crashes die because of just like blunt smoke, force trauma to yeah, the, he- smoke the head inhalation. or like if they've moved. Yeah. Yeah. All of those. The best thing I've seen about planes, here's my side tangent, is that people <laughs> think that planes can just fall out of the sky and they can't. Planes are like, like the atmosphere is like jello. When a plane goes up in the sky, you're actually being held in the sky by like jello. You're not just going to fall. Also, right? technically, haven't they designed it to where you could sort of coast yes. down? Like the end, yeah. like the, even if the engine were to go mm-hmm. out, you still sort of are a. Yeah. You're like always you going to go weights. in a diagonal down. You're never going to go to straight vertical. Like, or, like that doesn't uh-huh. happen because you're in jello, basically. So when Until you feel... Until you get to like a certain... Yes. End. So yeah. when you feel turbulence, it's not that the plane is like, oh, are we staying? Oh. It's actually the jello is just wiggling. That's it. Oh. And to me, that like changed my... That does make me feel a little bit more calm yeah. about turbulence. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is the end. No. Turbulence <laughs> is just wind patterns and the shaking the jello up a little bit. Okay. You're never going to just fall down you'll always go in di- a diagonal and then the pilot unless know- you mm-hmm. are shot by an interstellar missile exactly. coming from space yeah that would be the if one it's cloverfield yeah. no you're gonna fall vertical then you sorry but you're in the movie cloverfield and, and yeah i yeah. mean what are we gonna do <laughs> so that is a for I anybody love scared cloverfield yeah we 
<laughs> we stand that whole series. <laughs> We're like Cloverfield Universe like people. It's like, why don't we just lump that into the Cloverfield? Like, I keep making I love, them. I, but I love theorizing about what's going uh, on in the Cloverfield Universe. Well, I truly do. I don't know if this is if we fact check this, but I know you and I both read somewhere in some forum mm-hmm. that there's been tons of movies that were supposed to be in the Cloververse that had cool scripts and then they just decided to make them standalone movies and not in the Cloververse. Yeah, but I if need they the had list. been like, a, like look, look, I need the list. <laughs> I need the list. I agree. Well, because the thing about Cloverfield too is that all three of the movies have very different premises, mm-hmm. but they do all have the same, uh, they exist in the same universe. Yes. And I think that the the um, mm-hmm. causation is there. You yes. know, like you can see the things that That's happen. how they fun. should make money in movies is stop making sequels and remakes. Just oh, keep things in the same Easter universe. Eggs. But give us Easter eggs. different perspectives. Because like the first Cloverfield is a monster movie. The second Cloverfield is a thriller, psychological yeah. thriller. Yep. And it's then like the, a closed door. Who yeah. do you trust? Who do yeah. you trust? I love it's a movie perfection. like that. John Goodman. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is a space sci-fi movie. Oh uh, they're just totally and, different. And a space sci-fi movie that's playing with with um, time and space, which is yes. a premise that I love, where they're Perfect. like the you know the yeah. he's like he kind of gets splinched into the uh-huh, like uh-huh. wall. Very cool, love so, it. Okay, another to get. I know you got the book open, but yeah, one more thing that you and I both love that is true crime or crime adjacent is uh, love it. Crime or crime adjacent? Is we, it a TV we show? should start another podcast about oh, it. Oh, uh, dark. Yes, definitely. Oh my god. <laughs> is this just a can we just do an episode where we talk and about things that we love no, yeah <laughs> but uh, they're all true crime it's yes. all like so cloverfield also oh, yes. is a scary like you and i love but we're yeah it's that thing where it's like what would ha- what would you do if we were on a fr- we were at a friday night party with all of our mm-hmm. human drama mm-hmm. and then there was a monster mm-hmm. that's why that's you like the premise it. you love, love the premise that. of like what if you're going about oh. your day-to-day and then monster and then monster yeah yeah, yeah. So that's why that, that brings it back to this episode yeah. is like, we love it. And we're a part I of a do. scary movie club. Shout out to Jenny and Aiden. Like, yeah. hello. Like, we're in a scary movie club. We want we want to watch scary movies, but except for Aiden. But together. All of us are, like, it's like girls, like wanting to like, our significant others do not like scary movies. Mm-hmm. So we're pooling together to watch them, mm-hmm. which is fascinating, right? Because like Ben doesn't love Cloverfield or love no yeah although cloverfield is one he would watch like that's but, more kind of it has like more action thriller kind of like he'll watch some scary stuff we tried to watch invisible man together <laughs> great movie <laughs> if you have not film. watched it whoa and we got like there's some parts that are kind of scary right at the beginning yes with a yes possibly invisible yes. man but and he was like turn it off yeah nope, this yeah. is a no <laughs> but we'll watch is different from obsessed with like yeah. is different from this like women yes. loving well, that's Scary the thing stuff. is that like I do really enjoy true crime, but I'm not going to like watch everything that's new true crime on Netflix or like mm-hmm. go hard on the message boards. But there mm. are go those hard. fandoms <laughs> and there's people who genuinely want to like solve crimes on the Internet with other people. And like that's, that's really cool. That's, that's a power that's, thing, though. I still I it think is. I yeah. really think that that's just feeling in control. And I wonder if it's the inverse for men now that I'm just talking out loud mm. that they feel a loss of control. Like they feel like, oh my God, if that happened, I would not be able to defend me and my family. And so I'm losing control. I should write this. Hire me New York Times. Look at this. Look at all this theorizing. I think I'm you doing. can just write a piece and like submit it <laughs> and be considered. I'm not joking. I can't. 
You can be a freelance writer. Just submit it to the New York Most Times. Most people like, aren't staff writers. If you look at the details of newspapers, oh yeah, this, they can't afford to staff write people. This is a definitely an opinion piece because it's really yeah. just this person like I'm pretty waxing sure you poetic. can submit opinion pieces to newspapers. Oh my God. Not to the New York Times, Jesse. They would laugh me out of the inbox. Well, start somewhere smaller. I guess I could. I mean, technically, this is our forum. Like, well, this true. is our, like, like, we are producing We have content. authority here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I could submit and say, hey, I had two podcasts, so I wrote this article. So listen to me. So uh, this is going back. So we're going to talk about Dark. Should we talk about Dark? We can. I talk love dark. dark. You love Dark. Here, okay. Here's dark what I would like to say. masterful. <laughs> I'm rewatching it because I have finished my PhD and <laughs> I, that was going to be my treat to myself. And... I could have watched something mindless, but instead I'm watching yeah. Dark. Uh, but I do watch it with the... I do watch it dubbed because yeah. I don't care. I watch this stuff. And um, then I can knit while I do it. But essentially Dark is three perfect seasons. And each season expands on the one before it in ways that do bend your mind that are so exciting and interesting. And the more you watch it, truly, like the more it gives mm-hmm. back, right? Yeah. It a little bit reminds me of The Haunting of Hill House because... Um, the more you watch it, the more background oh ghosts you find. Which Another is like, perfect show that we both love that is scary. That like, is scary. what is it? Are but we it's scary, I'm finding out yeah. something about us right now. It's that. scary, but it's about like, <laughs> it's about human trauma too. They're yeah. a really fucked up family. I really want to rewatch it. This how this. Oh, it's so good. Let's just do that. It's so good. Because Aiden's here now, so we have to force him to yeah. rewatch all of oh, yeah. Haunting of Hill House. It is. It's a lot though to watch with our group because it is like eight hours of television oh, perfect maybe even 10 but it's really really let's good. go back to marfa oh. and every night we play two hours of it sounds amazing <laughs> um doesn't it though it does like, so the haunting of hill house is perfect it yes. is it is it is perfect it is scary it is mysterious it yes. is troubling and you know i will say that dark it's a haunted house which i love yes dark is also about human trauma Oh, yeah. So the point where it's kind of just for the first five episodes, it's mostly just a melodrama about some people in a small town in Germany. Yes. And you're like, the central mystery is that a kid goes missing. Right. And so at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is very Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then the cop. And then it's not. The dad cop, his little brother also went missing when he was. 33 years ago. Yeah. So it's like, huh. Interesting. Are these two things related? Are Mm -hmm. they not related? And it's just very mysterious. Like, um, uh, mysterious other things are happening that were the same as before like like birds are dropping out of the sky yes. like weird electromagnetic forces are happening yep. and so yep. you're like interesting well, there's yep. something going on here that feels supernatural of course there's a mysterious nuclear power plant mm-hmm. in the town mm-hmm. and so that becomes like a I love it what's going on there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm not God. even I'm not we're not even saying the biggest thing oh but no you just you gotta can, get I can't to, even yeah you gotta get to episode five it is only three seasons and they are so superbly done yeah. um even like if they're perfect they are they truly are and in character in vibe in in the twist the casting turns, the, of the characters mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is somehow perfect oh yeah and then there's a whole website you can browse because some things get a little confusing with characters <laughs> <laughs> so you could like kind of follow along but uh-huh. it's still really well done and really well acted it is just really perfect it's like really, truly it's a feast i wonder if it's there's, a there's feast. probably another dark podcast that I could listen to are sure. you listening to one i'm not i haven't no, no i maybe i should actually yeah, I'm in the second season. It's really oh, delightful. Magnificent. So. Jonas. 
And then Haunting of Hill House, and then Bly Manor, and then the other one that I didn't watch yet. I know. I didn't watch the, well. The Midnight Mass one oh, is yeah, the next yeah. one. Midnight Mass. He, yeah. No, he came out with another one last year, but it was not well received. <gasps> oh, no. Uh, the mid, That's okay. The Midnight Club or something. Oh, yes, yes. It's yeah. teenagers. That's so. okay. You know, we all yeah. need a break. <laughs> Midnight Mass is honestly really fun. Okay. It's. I need to watch it. It's, it's a little like, intense, but. When you're by yourself. Here's the thing. When you're by yourself. Yeah. So I, I am I am dating. And, but by myself, I don't really watch TV. You know, it's, it's a fun thing to do with another person where you're yeah. both decompressing and you're both like putting phones away. But when you're just by yourself, it's like more tempting to watch TikTok or like, mm. um, or, or make plans with somebody or cook or something. And I find myself more often than not, not watching TV, even though I watched a ton of TV when I was in a relationship. But. So interesting. I don't, I don't, I don't watch as much TV as I, sometimes I'm like, dang, I need to go watch TV. Exactly. But I really like watching TV by yeah. myself. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. It's opposite for me. Yeah. I don't know why I just can't seem. There's shows that I will watch like mm-hmm. with Ben. Like there's definitely yeah. things we're watching together, but like I just, I like being able to be on kind of my own Interesting. timeline if I'm watching a yeah. show. So. I can't. So I think it's because also you um, have your hands busy and I've been That's looking true. for like, what is my thing that I can keep my hands busy while I watch yeah. TV? Because I find myself that when I'm sitting there watching by myself, when I don't have someone to like react with. Yeah. That I you need like a little cross to, stitch. Yeah. Or like you need a little something. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I need to get I, you something. I had a whole other thing. Well. Uh, yeah. I was uh, that blanket I sent you via TikTok. I was like, yeah. I actually yeah, you want? I mean, I, I tried to teach you to crochet. Oh, it didn't go yeah. well, but it maybe did not go well. You I'm not are in a different at... headspace now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I am a creative human digitally, but for some reason, when it comes to the tangible, I get bored really fast, and I have mm. a really hard time focusing. Like even with art, or like I, I have it in me. Like I've been maybe to those live drawings. You just things. need to like sit and work on procreate well like uh, something it can't procreate. be your job it can't be monetized but like yeah. something that I you like, can just sit and do yeah i like collage art yeah so i see a lot of those on Ooh, tiktok like with the exacto knife and like cutting things out and like saving just put them some tv yeah. on sit down yeah, with the just exacto like, knife yeah it sounds nice do you have actually. a self-healing mat oh of course i do yeah that yeah. would be you get you set up yeah. like Super crazy. Another side tangent. I have a design degree, right? Yeah. And I actually, I went to Troy University. Great design program. Shout or out I Alabama. <laughs> well, I would shout out the state of Alabama. I would shout out the Troy. It was a little gem. Alabama has some good colleges and with good people mm. working at them. That's because they're funded by Southern football. Well, one of the most profitable industries. In okay, the- <laughs> sure. But, you know, if that means that they're willing to hire some of my friends who do sure. good work, great. Sure, sure. So the first two years of um, my design degree, they don't even let you design. You have to do print. You have to choose other materials, which is yeah. really smart. Like, Well, that is like mm-hmm. uh, a side tangent for me. The music degree at Georgia State, the number of people who'd be like, oh, I'm going to come in and I'm going to be a producer. And we'd be like, well, what music, what instruments do you play? And they'd be like, None. I'm uh-huh. like, you ha- kind of have to actually know about music, I think, to like make yes. music. Just, just a thought. Continue. Yes. Whereas <laughs> art, you kind of have to know a little bit about art to get yeah. into it. Even though I, I, oh my gosh, like I took a drawing class that I was the kid that it took me for much longer because I just kept my mind kept wandering. I had to take printmaking. I took yeah. um, media, like just two D and three D media. So I was constantly collaging and cutting things out and using foam core to like make stuff. Like I was doing a lot, cool. which is really cool. And then finally, I started getting into those digital classes, and I was like, oh, a lot of these lessons are making more sense now that they're all being pieced together. Um, so I'm thinking like collage art could be something that I could like sit an exact. I think that sounds really and, fun. You yeah. should definitely do that. 
And you can just putz. Like I even like, you know, I used to do in middle school, but I would put it on like notebooks. Like, yeah. Like do something that feels like you have a little end product. Yeah. That could be really cool. Yeah. Before we started the podcast, I was complaining to Jesse and we, the consensus is that Olivia needs something that only Olivia does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the, that's That's not work. That's not work. That is the huge, that's the huge. be defined by our work. Yeah. And also to be honest, it can't be running right now either because it's like a hundred degrees, even though we're all expected to just go on about our lives as if nothing's happening when clearly it is like, (sighs) I went on a run on Friday. It was a lot. How did you do it? I, I did just 1.5 miles in the morning. And then I came back here and I did VR boxing, <sighs> which I love. I in mean, the air conditioning. Maybe the true crime thing is also a little like, like you said, escapism. Like you're in a different world where eventually justice is going to reign. Like that, someone's mm. always caught and someone's always like the killer's always found out or else it'd be a terrible book. Right. Mm. Like, oh, actually, I think she says a thing about this that I marked mm. mm-hmm. in the chapter about the detective. If I'm not wrong. Uh, but many of the rest of us bought into the dream of forensics, too. It's reassuring to believe that an expert can walk into a bloody room and emerge with a story that neatly explains the horror that happened here. The forensic hero has a Sherlock Holmes omniscience bolstered by the authority of science. Who wouldn't find that seductive? Who wouldn't want to believe? Yet there are so many ways people can mess things up. Our human tendencies toward bias, sloppiness, error, and fraud can get in the way. Mm-hmm. So anyway, basically, the, this is the debunking of like forensic science. Science yes. is not the end all be all of solving crimes. But mm-hmm. I think it's also that compulsion, like you just said, of like, we want to like know why and how and yes. what and all the details and yes. have it neatly wrapped up and have answers, which is one of the mm-hmm. reasons why unsolved crimes, I think, are so compelling. Like, oh, yeah, because it's like, oh, there's still something that can yeah. come out and have a story. Yep. But I think we look at the world and we look at everything happening and we're so helpless most of the time, mm-hmm. like, like. We can't do anything right now about the weather. Like Gosh. you and I cannot. Like amazing reference back to dark because truly, mm. like the the more that I think about what's happening in that story, it is people trying to write things that went wrong, and just you're like, have you learned nothing? Yeah, but yeah. things have, things are going to happen the way they've always happened. Yeah, and also like there's just really a lot of mysteries that so many people like you get to know as the audience, mm-hmm. which is dark, the cathartic part. But yeah. people, but the people in the in mm-hmm. the show in the universe don't ever get answers for these mm-hmm. things, and mm-hmm. you're like, where did that person go? Yeah, where did they go? Oh my gosh, it's like the human. We just want, we just need to know things. Mm-hmm. Like making reason out of out of things is so so essential mm-hmm. to us, and I think that true crime. Gives what's, us that. what's a really good like historical mystery or even more recent like what's a really good what's a really compelling mystery to you that just keeps I'm uh, trying to think if I have one. Oh my but... god the Benet girl what her name is yeah, John, John Benet Ramsey. Ramsey oh my god that one that one because we'll we will never know because you can't go back in time like you can't be able to fly on the wall you're just it's literally just like four people that I think that either the dad or the brother accidentally killed her and then mm-hmm. they made it out to mm-hmm. be the sad thing about that one is not even just the kill. I mean, obviously it's it's tragic, but if you it, mm-hmm. it puts their lives under an X-ray and you're mm-hmm. seeing she was a little pageant girl and like how she was treated. And so like now you're looking at like the causation of like what yeah. led to it. Because she had a lot of stress that caused her to wet the bed and yes. then they would get angry. Yes. And it's like we've yeah. all been there and been angry at someone for something yeah. that, so, you know, we feel regret about later. Yeah. So that one was really compelling to me because it's like a little girl and this whole mm-hmm. family and everything is just like covered. And we'll never really truly know mm-hmm. what exactly happened. Oh, I, I have a fun recommendation for you that you could watch. It's just four episodes, but it's called Inside Man on Mm. netflix i think i've heard of that and it is oh it's one of those situations where you're like okay if you were to try to explain how the situation of events has led to you having a kidnapped woman in your basement oh okay but i just want to say it's like this is like british 
huh. pastoral. And then it's like, how the F did this series yeah. of events occur? And it's like trying to explain it to an outside person. You'd be like, well, it was because that day my son left home for school late and he forgot his keys. And so then this happened and then it led to this happening and then it led to this. Wow. Happening. It's a very interesting, like, but I think that like, that's probably, I think mm-hmm. about JonBenet Ramsey. They're like, Oh, this thing that was an accident or Adnan Syed, the, Ugh. uh, uh, serial. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, oh, that's like the mother of yeah. all who podcasts. killed Heyman Lee. Like, yeah. we don't know. <laughs> Insane. And it was probably a series of mm-hmm. accidental things that mm-hmm. led to other things with technology at the time and like, you know, whomever. And then people yeah. trying to pe- people and like fix yep. it. And it just gets real weird. Yeah. I can't believe I'd, we hadn't brought up cereal up to this point, <laughs> which is like literally the birth and the mother it of so much of the crime. contemporary true crime, like uh, especially the podcast thing yeah. and all of that. Well, yeah. wouldn't you say, like, I remember when cereal came out and people were like, it's a podcast. And I was like, what the hell's a podcast? Like it, they just weren't in the mainstream yet. Like people well, it weren't was also really because I was a person who was long into podcasts because mm-hmm. it, I felt like I could be really niche about it, yeah. but it was um, before I had a phone and iPhone. Uh, and so I would have to plug in my iPod. Oh my gosh! To iTunes <laughs> and get the newest releases of my episodes, oh, and so funny. it didn't. It couldn't just come to my phone, yeah. and so I think that was also where people were like, finally getting like I think you know podcasts really became big around 2011, mm-hmm. which is when I first got a smartphone, right? But right. I was listening to them in college with my iPod, as mentioned, yeah. Um, but then it became like a really common thing, and then I think the first one, yeah. If there's if there is a new medium, and there's going to be a genre. Is going to be true crime. Yep. Like it's Absolutely. like true crime will find a way. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be one of the big things. I've yep. often thought about serializing the story of my dad's yep. the murder that he saw in the 80s. Brilliant idea. Like yeah. when you first told I me, I was like, it. you absolutely should. Yeah. Or you should send your book off to an editor and get it published. <sighs> well, my book doesn't really have an ending and it feels Jesse wrote <laughs> I, a book. I, I wrote a novel. It's a it's a fictionalized version of this crime that really happened. You still wrote it and it's like 80s. done. You could send it to an editor like today. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I would much rather it be a true story. Like I actually want it to be, but I also feel like I don't, I don't have the means or the bravery to go to be interview like these people. An investigative. I, I think know, the I novel's mean, that's great. great. I'm glad when people do that, but I think you've got it and you might as well submit it. I just and... feel like a stronger writer in the real stuff than in the fake stuff. I don't feel very like. I thought it was great. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I just feel like, you know, it's it's really vulnerable when you're yeah. trying to write dialogue that other people would say that's believable. That's tricky, y'all. Yeah, but like, I, you know, I like to dabble in writing also. Maybe that's the thing I should be doing, honestly, um, yes. for myself. Maybe you should. Yeah. Well, that's like a lot of it. But like, the thing is that like, most writers, when they're giving advice, say to not worry about all of that. Like, you just have to get it down on paper. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the first step because it's so much easier to edit than it is to create. So, like, just go through, get everything down. And then there's revisions. Like, the revisions, like, most books are created in the revisions process, as I think, like, maybe like a Brandon Sanderson quote. Like, most things are done. You just have to get it on the paper. So, mm-hmm. like, your first stab at dialogue is not always going to feel good but then you can go back and read it out loud and like finesse it and so like I always think about that because like what I tend to do when I write is like I go back and read from the beginning every single time and I have to stop doing that like I have to start just like if I want to I just got to sit down and write which is why mm-hmm. things like NaNoWriMo if you guys don't know it's National November Writing Month Um, so in November a National lot of people National Novel Writing no- Month? Did I say November? I did. It is in November <laughs> but I think it's National, National novel, novel Writing Month <laughs> It's National November Writing Month. Which doesn't make any <laughs> we sense. all write Novembers. 
Um, which is where they think they it's ten thousand words a day. Like they encourage you to wake up and write. No. I thought it was a thousand words a day. I thought you can set your own goal, but I think the the it's, goal is a not a novel, right? Which is fifty thousand words. Yeah. So if you didn't know that, also a oh, novel is considered a novel. Words yeah, a, day. a novel is considered a novel at fifty thousand words. Mm-hmm. So if you write every day in November, that's thirty. Th- if you write a thousand, so I think it might be like twelve hundred or something. Okay, it might be. Um, mm-hmm. But you're supposed to have a novel by the end of it if you actually sit down and do it. And then any shorter than that is a novella. And then for reference at home, fifty thousand words is like The Great Gatsby. That mm-hmm. size. Mm-hmm. So many side tangents today. We just have you. I mean, well, I mean, we knew we were going to be talking about more yeah. like popular culture because it's really yeah. true crime is one of the. It's. I think it's an. It's a really perfect intersection of the Venn diagram right. of our podcast, right? Of yes, like, of um, feminism and rhetoric right. and thinking about uh, perceptions in media and popular culture, right? But so. it's not even something that I consciously think like if someone was like oh like what do you and jesse have in common i wouldn't have immediately been like oh my god true crime because it just that feels like such a given almost mm, with interesting. Women. well and also because we're not like in communities doing deep mm. you know like there are people who are watching club. who are like listening to every new true crime podcast and that's, that's true. not me that's true sure. that's not me either but i still was obsessed yeah with the submarine there's, like there's... i could not get enough of it like mm-hmm. it was like an every day every hour checking what's happening yeah well, that's not even necessarily crime. It's, it was it's still, just, but it's like human um, drama. Yeah, it wasn't crime, but what was it? Like a disaster. It was still mm-hmm. like a human disaster. Like the cave kids that were stuck in, like mm-hmm. anything like that. It's just like, oh my gosh! Like mm-hmm. it is just like I love the Titanic, which I found out <laughs> that you don't love it as much as I do. But <clears throat> I love everything about the Titanic because it was just such a perfect—not perfect. That's terrible to say, yeah. but it was the perfect storm, right? It was like literally so many things had to go wrong in a row correctly yeah. yeah like you had hubris of man you had yep. another boat that didn't come to rescue them you had the bad weather the clear night the yep. the broken, iceberg, like broken binoculars oh, right all, or yes, all those all things kind yeah. of stuff you had like the the wrong uh level of like the lifeboat thing oh it's not sinkable like yeah. the hubris of man is the titanic right it's oh, just for like sure. oh for sure so for, for some reason that one just really gets me as like a woman i guess because i'm like golly like I, was, I don't know yes okay one of the most satisfying parts of the whole movie and this is so macabre of me mm-hmm. but like i love that scene where they're like no matter what we do this boat will sink and everyone's like uh, uh, can't, it can't possibly no like it's go like, fa- y'all damn it let's get underway and it's like no i don't think you hear us this will all be at the bottom yeah. of the Atlantic. Like yeah. that is like that. I'm like, yes, that's what we get for being mm. stupid humans. Mm. I mean, th- I mean this yeah. in like a obviously RIP. Yes. But also like, come on guys. <sighs> it's a lot. I think like you said, like the natural disaster thing, like you're just like going about your day and something happens. Part of me. So that's not, not my necessarily th- natural. It could. Sorry. There's, yeah, there's any, a lot any of, sort of disaster. Yeah, there could be a lot of disasters. Mm-hmm. My thing, because I'm obviously a stressed, anxious person, as I brought to this podcast even before we started. Um, <laughs> Hello, so, I'm Olivia. Yeah, and hi, I'm, I'm stressed, stressed and anxious. I think part of my and my therapist was like, you've got to stop doing this. I tend to think about a situation to death and I just think about all the ways it could go wrong. Mm. So sometimes I think that is anxiety, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes true crime feels very um, justified to me. I'm like, mm. see, see. I knew, I knew, even though that's not true. It's not true. I don't need to be as stressed as everything, but sometimes it's cathartic to be like, see, she was being gaslit, like Invisible Man, right? So I did relate to that movie a lot because sometimes you just have a feeling and like no one's listening. She's being told guys throughout that movie that like she's crazy and there's not an Invisible Man because why would there be? Yeah. 
Spoiler. And, uh, yeah. There is. And to be fair, <laughs> we do, our system relies on evidence and like, fo- like, it's like, well, like if you don't have evidence, if you don't, you can't mm-hmm. go off of a feeling. But a lot of the times I have feelings. Like I have like, oh my God, like something's about to go wrong. And I think it's just maybe mine is more enhanced. I think that also that is like an evolutionary tactic of humans, right? That we're going to mm-hmm. be like thinking about every possible yeah. way that things could go wrong. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, I think that society does need people like you to yeah. be like, but what if this thing happened? Yeah, because I'm doing and all I'm the, like, I'm not a prepper, but I can like, I do no. get very stressed. My my best case example is like, I'm all at once the worst and best person to take to a restaurant because I'm the worst <laughs> because I'm doing the like hovering in line thing. I'm like, oh my God, they forgot about us. She'll be the person who'll go and ask to make sure that like, they haven't forgotten yeah. your food. But Jesse, <laughs> they do sometimes. Yeah. Like oh, I would ask say, Olivia about her experiences oh with like Instacart gosh, or um, every time Uber Eats. It's like one out of every three times it goes wrong for me. Either Truly. they either they've stolen your food, mm-hmm. they don't show up, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It um, gives me too much all anxiety. Of the above. Yeah. All of it. Like mixed up orders. They just don't. Sh- yeah, it's like it's a whole mix. But there have been so many times when I've gone to a restaurant because I'm like that. I ha- they have forgotten. Mm-hmm. I can see them. I'm watching them because I'm so anxious. I can I, I just sit there and watch about how did they write my name down? Did they spell it wrong? <laughs> did they think I said Lydia? That happens a lot when I say, oh, I'm Olivia. They think I say Lydia. Oh. So like I'm really conscious to that now. Interesting. I'm like sometimes they just do flat out forget. So if you're not the person, then you're just going to be sitting there forever and then it's awkward. See, I'm already all riled up about it again. You are. (laughs) That's a lot. But it's the same thing for the house that I'm in right now. My landlord, she'll never listen to this podcast. And honestly, (laughs) if you are listening, you're terrible. Like she's just relying on me to do everything. She's relying on me to call to set up. Like if the water is messed up, she wants me to call. If the plumbers are coming, she wants me to manage it. If it's like, I am that person that people are like, you know what? Olivia is going to get this done. So we're just going to trust her to get it done. So it gets really frustrating. So true crime. There's a line with that too. Mm -hmm. Like there's some responsibility as a tenant, but also you would, it's a level of mutual respect that I don't think you're getting from the other person. The level of gaslighting that she did when my water was brown and she was like, I think your water has always been like that. I was like, ma'am. Literally not. I I brush my teeth. You know, I can see the the water in my sink. Like how, what the audacity to say that is, is, is insane to me or like oh the pipes are just old that's why your toilet stops up all the time it's like ma'am no i now use the the worst toilet paper there is in the market like i don't i like don't even look at that toilet wrong and it stops Uh, up constantly and it's like she's like it's just the old house like it's like actually tracy i don't think it is like I, i think there's something wrong with the plumbing but and also like i just would like to say in defense of you the fact that it's an old house actually doesn't excuse that the plumbing doesn't work. It Thank simply you. means that you need to repair the plumbing on Thank the old you. house. People Thank have you. old houses and then they actually cost a lot to repair because shit like that goes wrong because yes. it's an old house. Yep. Like so that doesn't like, mean honey, that you're just like, this is just how we live now. And it's like, or we could fix it. It's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm saying. It is that this is just what we have to do. This is just, this is just, and I don't buy that argument. This is just how life is. This is just how, like, it goes back to the, um, like, feminine. This goes back to the whole podcast of people just being like, well, this is how the system works. We just have to deal with it. Well, this is just how people talk. We just have to deal with it. And it's like, no, we don't. We don't. You don't have to deal with things. You can change. You You can grow. You can... Or like, let's ask ourselves why we're doing this and could we do it a different, better way? You know, we were just talking 
to someone about something about the 40 hour work week. Right. Oh yeah. Like it's, it was invented at a time that so mm-hmm. predates what mm-hmm. we do now and mm-hmm. how we do it, that it's like, well, maybe we need to ask ourselves, perhaps we mm-hmm. as humans were not mm-hmm. invented to sit at a computer for nine hours right. a day. Right. And take zoom calls. Yep. So I think it's, you know, when you talk to somebody in, in a higher up position, like a CEO or a VP, they're going to be like, oh, well, this is just kind of how it is. And like, that's how, that's what it's like. It's a but startup that's exactly life. what Maybe. you're saying. It's the same it's argument. Like, with the, well, this is just an old house, guys. Yeah. So we can't, we can't fix exactly. the plumbing. Exactly. But the old house is actually like the corporate work world. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, the old house is the corporate work world. The old house is our current system. Your the wife has always like, been brown, Olivia. Like, oh, well, the men have always just, it's like, no, like we, you can change <laughs> things. You can make things different. And I, the reason why I brought that up is because I was thinking about if I, um, I'm, I've got too many jobs right now, but if I go back to just one of them, um, that I might try to incorporate a four day work week to my own self. Mm-hmm. And I know that would be really hard because like it means a lot of like structure or a lot of like boundary setting, but I just, How I'm, amazing. I love change and I love trying new things and growing and it's like really painful sometimes, but like I love being checked and I love like, I don't love it, but then like. <laughs> A week later, I love yeah. it. A week later, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I'm actually like a lot better of a person or like mm-hmm. I grew through that. And um, yeah, so mm-hmm. true crime. <laughs> I, I just, mean, it all connects. Yeah, it does. It all it does all connect. And it's like women specifically are the ones paying attention and like looking at all of this stuff. <laughs> I re- I think I told you this on, so this past week, uh, Olivia and I talk a lot on Slack that are week, yeah. And sometimes like, literally messaging you in the morning is like what's motivating me to even sit at my computer i'm just like oh That's i can so just nice. you know it's like it's just nice to have you yeah. there and be like okay really nice. we're going through another tuesday together yep and what's on your mind yep. and i had just finished reading this bit from the book and it reminded me a lot of uh, what we talk about on this podcast and uh um it says we all know that the men are the strongest runners racking up the fastest times at dashes and marathons alike but in races over a hundred miles when psychological staying power is more important than muscle mass women often cross the finish line first women are more likely to live through dire situations such as the irish potato famine or the desperate winter the donner party spent stranded in the eastern sierras shout out to a reference from yellow jackets That's partly because women have more subcutaneous fat, but anthropologists also chalk some of the survival rate disparity up to socialized gender-based personality differences. When a situation requires grim determination, a willingness to settle in and fight the long fight, women seem to have the advantage. For better or worse, we're adept at slogging. (laughs) Oh, you I can't see to, me, but I'm seething. I just <laughs> want to say that in, in I know you haven't seen the Barbie movie yet, but I'm sure you've heard America Ferreira's um yeah. speech. Ma, yeah, and Ma. it's like very much like we just we're just like, yep, okay, I'll do I'll do it. I guess I'll do it. I guess I'll do it. Yeah. I guess I'll do it. Oh very mad men too. I think that's there's I'm a like, lot of like things from previous seething. episodes. Yeah. We have set up a system and I'm sorry, no hate <laughs> towards your husband. You know I love your husband. Ben is also a very good friend of mine, but we were all talking about this, like 40 hour work week. We do so much. We do so much. We do so much. And your husband popped in the chat and was like, well, I only had about six hours of work this week. And you and I were sidebarring, like, what is it? Cause like you did so much, like you also have like two jobs. You're, te- you're, you're teaching, you're doing a PhD, you're writing, you're also crafting, you're also podcasting with me on your weekends. Like, but also 
we're doing it to ourselves a little bit. Yeah. Like, w- yeah. like yeah. I took on two jobs. I'm taking on dating. Like I didn't have to start right. dating. Like I didn't have to do all these things. I didn't have to like, well, it's because I think some of it we do because it does bring us joy and satisfaction and meaning and purpose and value yeah. and like excitement. And so I think mm-hmm. all those things are reasons why we do those things. But unfortunately, a lot of the things that I like to do mm-hmm. aren't either aren't monetized or I choose not to monetize them. Mm-hmm. And I need a job that I don't associate with my pleasure yeah. things. Yeah. And so that's like also the fine line that I walk. Yeah. Whereas like I think it's easier. Also, his job is so weird because we talked about this before. Right. But society values the skills that he has as an engineer to yeah. do things. And they just time out differently where he'll be like, yeah, we are starting a new project and I can't do this until these other people finish this. And so I basically just am waiting for someone to give me a problem Which today or I'm just chilling. And I'm like, but what? Yeah. I have so many things to do today. Like I literally wake up some days and I'm like, if I don't, if, if my hour by hour doesn't go perfect, I'm fucked. Like if my, if well, I don't get this thing relative run, because okay, sure there's a lot of things we decide are hard and fast deadlines that we can like, sure. If that's all. Sure. If you, <laughs> if you don't do the things you're going to do that day, what's the worst that will happen? Right. Like, why do I feel like adding so much more to my plate? And why do you feel like, you know what? Mm. Now's a great time to start this blanket or this quilt or this yeah. thing. Like, why yeah. do we do this to ourselves? Like, why do we, when it's the end of the day, say, I'm going to start a new book that I have to keep reading or I'm going to read this really challenging thing or I'm going to start this really lengthy TV show. Like what is in us that is climbing for more, more, more all the time? That's a big question. It's a big question. Because you're like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I surely don't know. Like, why did I decide to like take on two jobs, but then also do all these other things? Like, I don't have to with my own business. I'm like working on all these workshops and programs and emails. And I decided to rebrand. Like, I didn't have to do any of that. And yet here I am. Well, I think you but in some way you said it earlier, like you like the grow and the challenge and the excitement. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's like I was saying to you, you yeah. know, I, I take on some projects because they're genuinely filling mm-hmm. a, cu- a cup, you know, they're mm-hmm. filling me up in a way that I, I need. And yeah. it's that compulsion that I think keeps us going. Yeah. Um, but it's not especially true crime related, but I think it's related to like just how we go about our days. Or I what, think you know. it is kind of true crime related in the fact of like the fear of failure or the fear of something going wrong. Like mm-hmm. that level of catharsis, okay. I think mm-hmm. is nice for me. It's yeah. like, you know, sometimes I do think about that. What if I was on a plane and it crashed? Because, you know, the first thing I think about is all the people that are going to be like, Olivia didn't turn in that design. Like, that is what I know. Isn't that psychotic? If I crash if on a you're plane. you're dead, they don't. They'll get someone exactly. else to do the design. It's going to be fine. But, like, I just imagine myself in, like, Castaway. By the way, Castaway, uh, I would say, is a disaster movie. And I was obsessed with that movie. I watched uh, that, like, every summer. I love Castaway. I find it one of the most perfect films. But I imagine, like, okay, I've crash landed on an island. The first thing that pops into my head is I didn't deliver that thing. That person didn't get that website. Isn't that that's crazy? Because I don't I don't have that. Like I'd be like, I am the first person to be Mm -hmm. like, um, there's this massive thing happening. I'm not turning in that thing today. Oh my god. Like it either doesn't matter or it can be done at a different date. Yeah. And I work in a job that does have hard deadlines. Like my there are things that we simply cannot turn in late. What we try to do to prevent mm-hmm. that is that we give the students deadlines that are like weeks ahead of the actual deadlines. And mm-hmm. they know, like we're clear about both, but we're yeah. like, here's the reason why we do this. Right, right, right. We cannot submit this late. 
You cannot submit it late. Right. So if you're not done by that time, you're not applying. Right, right. Yeah. And even if that happens, the worst, it Mm -hmm. simply means they didn't apply that year. Yeah. I do play the what's the worst that could happen game constantly. Like, what's the worst that happens if I miss a website deliverable? Then they just launch the next week. I mean, what's the worst if I don't turn in this thing? That's what I'm saying. It's like, it is. It matters, but Mm -hmm. it is all made up. Yeah. I used to think early on in my career, I used to think it was my discipline that allowed me to be so successful self-employed because that's such an American, like uh, uh, a Christian work ethic um, approach of like, it's you and your determination. Well, before the pandemic, like people were like, you're a freelancer. Like self-employment was not a thing. When I first started in like 2013, 2014, It was not a thing. When I told people I did design work, they were like, I would say you freelance. And so they're imagining me sitting in a coffee shop, barely scraping by a hundred dollar yeah. projects, which was not true at all. I was I, building a business. A funny story about that is that like the one time, one time then Olivia told her, her grandma, what do you mm. call your grandma? Granny. Granny. Mm-hmm. Olivia told her granny that she had a housekeeper and her like her, like granny cried. I think yeah. she was like, oh good. You like are making money. <laughs> I thought you just had a made-up job. Yes. She was like, what? Yeah. And so now, yeah, it's a definite joke. And like one time I was on vacation, I was like getting something extra and I was like, don't worry, I'm going to charge it to a client. And like, she was like, it's not true. I don't charge my, like that doesn't make any, I don't charge the clients. Like I pay, like they pay for a website. Sometimes you take me out for coffee and we charge it to your business. But that's a business meeting. (laughs) This is a business thing. But truly we do Uh, a lot of things together for your business. Yeah. I mean, yeah, why not? But yeah, I was a freelancer. And so, I wasn't. And so until the pandemic happened and then, then it started to become like, Oh, everyone's working from home. Like now I do have some cred. Like now it's like, Oh yeah, now I own a business. And so and it makes a little it bit for more 10 years, sense. So you've been doing yeah. that longer than a lot yeah. of people. But I used to think it was that discipline that like, Oh, you've got to be, you've got to have that little bit of fear and that drive to wake up every morning and work rather than, um, you know, go coffee for a whole day or something mm. like that. But now that I'm really looking back on it, I don't think it was discipline. I think I'm just, I like designing and I'm a good designer. Mm-hmm. Like, like I actually, if you allow people to enjoy the work, they'll work, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need a fear-driven tactic and I don't need to be hustled into a deadline. Like, I genuinely do like a lot of the stuff that I do. And I think that's, so that's, I think it's, a, that's an important point for two, there, well, there's an important, I think that's an important point for one reason. And mm-hmm. then I think there's an important counter argument to that. One of which is like, yes, so much of what I feel mm-hmm. valued in a job is when I'm trusted to do my work. Yes. And then when I don't have work, I'm not mm-hmm. going to work. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And like, if that is how we're going to have this agreement, fantastic, because Mm -hmm. I do like my job and I will do it when it needs to be done. Right. The back end of that is all the people that have jobs that they don't find fulfilling or they don't like. And Mm. so then I truly feel like there is that thing where it's like, well, I'm just simply not going to do this because I don't care. Yeah. And I think that could be, I could see where someone might say, okay, that system only works if you genuinely like your job. True. Yeah. I think that's just like where we've built a society that doesn't, doesn't support jobs that aren't like the crazy creative ones you know like there's no glory yeah. in being a fast food worker but if but you just, it's like so important and it, it keeps us running exactly you're like, feeding people you're yeah. interacting with people like what if we started framing these things differently like instead yeah. of being a fast food employee you're actually somebody that is like engaging with humans day to day yesterday like, my um i went canvassing yesterday and the person they paired me with was it was really funny because i was like oh good i'll get an expert i'm like a really newbie and then they were they, she showed up and she was like hi they told me you're a team captain and 
lead the way. And oh I was like, gosh. girl, she was like, I've never done this before. And I was like, well, it's the blind leading the blind. So let's However, just back up a moment and say that you and I both have been really busy <laughs> and have done a lot and have like, and then you also decided to take up canvassing. Well, only because it's a cause that I feel is important. No, I know. It's and just hysterical. Like, it's like I, they only have 60 days to collect signatures and I'm out here. I'm like, I'm going to do something. I'm, I'm coming off my PhD and I just learned literally one of the points of my PhD, the, the dissertation, excuse me, that I wrote is that people going and doing d- things despite the odds is like what makes change happen. No, so I, I was agree like, you know with what? You. I'm going to go do it. But I agree. Yeah, no, I'm I'm insane. It's like that's <laughs> what, but that's what women do. We're like something needs to get done, and <laughs> yeah, so we I'm gonna go do, do it. it. And so it's a little bit like I, sometimes you just need men to be like, okay, she's in distress, or she needs help, or she needs this yeah. thing. And instead of being like, how can I help you? It's like point, like right. That's so true. But so she was, so she was telling me that her husband. So she like works in middle mm-hmm. management at like a. Mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed. She told me I can't remember the well, type of, the type We're of firm. We're taking a lot of information. Is, but, um, but her husband is a Gwinnett County bus driver. Mm. And she was like, he loves it. Yeah. Like, it, it's what an essential job mm-hmm. that we take for granted and like categorized as mm-hmm. some sort of blue collar, like somehow less valuable. And that's all made up. That's all made up. Because what we learned in the pandemic is those are the people that keep the lights on. Yes. So. Yes. I'm not allowed to talk about... Well, I shouldn't talk about the other big thing, but I will say jobs like that, though. Exactly. Like if you're framing it like, oh, he's a bus driver or no, no, he's driving. He's performing essential service that have to get safely. And also, like, I remember my bus driver because I rode the bus for like four years. And I remember he drives like the city bus, like the Gwinnett County. Like Gwinnett County. Okay. Yeah. Bus. So it's like uh, the safety of human beings. Mm -hmm. But even like school bus drivers, like I remember my bus driver knew us all by name. Mm-hmm. notice when kids weren't showing up yes yeah, so that's an important aspect of the yep. bus driver would say right? like hey you know so and so hasn't been showing up to the bus route like is able to get help with like the, you know, the school yeah is noticing when we're being bullied is noticing like different things like she would split us up like i just remember she was so attentive and i cannot even remember her name i feel terrible but i really loved her like i remember her just like I was the last kid to get dropped off so i would always go up to the front and like ask questions and but you know you even know, though you can't remember her name it Burnett, maybe okay oh, i was gonna God. say i think that that's still uh really special that you have that memory because i don't know if we talked about this on the podcast but olivia doesn't like remember her childhood oh yeah it's really just, like weird. strange like anyway but i think Ugh. that's normal but yeah. isn't it cool to have a memory like that where you do remember your that's bus driver and the impact yeah. she had on you yeah and the not remembering my childhood thing is something i've been working on in therapy and the crazy thing is that it could be a multitude of things mm-hmm. like it could be something in my past that i'm hiding or it could just be that i had a really mundane normal childhood that's just not very memorable i also think like <laughs> i think that the studies sort of suggest and there's a lot of mm-hmm. things we don't understand about memory mm-hmm. but that like we're just really not supposed to remember a child like we just forget yeah they just the the, the memories just don't yeah. stick well like so. i could not even tell you three things i was for halloween when i was a kid Yeah, that's weird no idea just no i have no did you like halloween as a kid uh, yeah candy okay. who doesn't love candy okay right? but I, remember... Like, I remember i liked it and i was that was always excited about it and the mm-hmm. candy but that's also why i think the memory of what i was yeah, no. was attached to that memory of the experience no i don't remember at all I'm, i know i was cinderella one year and then all but i was a child you know up until like i don't remember anything i was i don't remember any walking around getting candy i don't remember who i was with i don't remember like did my mom take me did we go as mm-hmm. a family i don't remember any of that which feels really strange that is weird to me so yeah i think back to the true crime thing like it's fascinating to see these stories and to see like oh well something was off and i was trusting my intuition and like 
all these things led up to this and then boom, he got murdered. And it's like, oh, mm. like it it, saw, it answers questions. So I think I like that explanation that we but just came as often up with. With true crime, we don't get answers. But That's I think true. it's the but it's the pursuit. The or like the the validation that you weren't crazy. Cause I feel that a lot. And it, to be fair, hold on, let me back up. I am crazy. <laughs> I am crazy. I am overly stressed. I do think way too hard about things. I can just let things go a lot more. I'm aware of that. Like I'm aware of all of that. But then sometimes I want to feel like I am justified. Like maybe I am somebody that cares. Like the reason why I stress so much about some stuff is because I care. Like uh, the reason why I'm stressed about where I'm going to live next is because I care. Like it's because I really care about the people around me and how it affects everyone in my life. And sometimes so like when people are like, you need to calm down about that or you need to do just like what makes you happy. If to me, it feels like it's devaluing the stress that I'm that I'm trying to care about everybody else. But, you know, yeah, but that's the problem, too. With mm-hmm. it. I think, Olivia, if you're not caring about yourself first, it's <sighs> really hard to be the yeah. best, your best self for other people. That's true. So sorry to give so, you that hard truth, but like it I is know. important that you're OK, too. <sighs> So you can actually care about the place you live simply because you want to live somewhere that feels safe. And so when um, I land on that island, yeah, I should care about myself first and not about the deadlines that I'm about to miss because I'm stranded on a deserted island. Did you phrase it as a question? <laughs> I don't know. Re- audience, like, what do you think? Just like I, the smoke signal I'm going to send up is like the password to my account. So yeah. people can <laughs> can someone uh, can someone please get the client their their um their website <laughs> instead of SOS. Meanwhile, like long... I think I you posted something on your reels this week, and I mm. you were like, maybe I should learn like a life skill. And I was oh, like, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. even know how to send a smoke signal. No, you you're right. Have, yeah, I had to have to like to wing it. I don't know. That's skills. the first post of mine that's been stolen. Actually, can you believe that? Stolen? Yeah. Uh, well, not stolen. You know how the internet works. Like people find a thing, but another woman doesn't credit me like at all and takes it phrase by phrase. She's a photographer, and she was like, I hope when the aliens come, they need photography. And the, like, it's like, and it's the same, like, be, it's the same text. It's the same B-roll of like someone doing something in the background. I was oh like, my wow. gosh, I saw it and I commented, I commented like a little alien face and she was like, thanks for the inspo. And I was like, oh, it's not inspiration if you steal like one for one like that. But no, it, mm. it's not that big. of. I mean, it's tick. What's it's the biggest TikTok term of flattery? Is imitation. Uh, imitation. Yeah. yeah. So means you've truly influenced yeah but that's how tiktok works like you know yeah. all these like the girl dinner thing like who's the first one to come up with girl dinner i don't know if you've we seen may that never TikTok. know i think it, it came yeah. over to instagram which is usually yeah. how i see things yeah you're all in on <laughs> the real true now. millennial way to, like, wait to send send things over yeah okay maybe i'll get on tiktok today and yeah. look at all the i think you probably have 50 cute oh messages, probably right? yeah tiktok is also where the sound originated to bring it back to true crime the when a woman's doing something mundane oh, yeah. and in the background it's like her ears were cut off her arms were cut off like she was found in a ditch somewhere and like you're just like casually doing the dishes <laughs> it's like yay <laughs> it's really funny oh my gosh <laughs> oh what a good sound of tiktok oh, oh TikTok. women so oh. women, true crime. I don't think there is a single answer. I don't think there is. I don't think it's catharsis or it's answers or escape. I think it's probably something bigger than that. Where it's I think it's all a combination. Yes. Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of factors because there's many different yeah. reasons why we would all arrive at mm-hmm. studying the same kinds of things mm-hmm. or even like what aspects within them are especially compelling to us. Yes. Which is why I think Rachel Monroe's work of like splitting it up by the kind mm-hmm. of like role archetype, she's yeah. playing, the mm-hmm. archetype, yeah, is a really interesting way of a of thinking about it yeah i i do wish that we had more researchers looking into women's issues like this because it it's no 
coincidence that 80% of women are the ones consuming true crime. 80%. Mm. That is, that's not like 65 or like 50. Like that is 80% yeah. of these books and the, the, these items are being consumed by women. That is a phenomenon. And I, I do think that it needs a little bit more attention to say, what is, you know, all of this fueling us and what can we do about it or with it or, or like, what is this knowledge? Yeah. Someone yeah. get on that. <laughs> so what I would love from any listener, um, give me your top thriller true Ooh. crime book. Well, true or, thriller and true crime is not the Sorry. same. Anything scary. True okay. crime, so thriller. You're, psych- you're introducing uh, fiction and horror. nonfiction. What is it? Thriller and a mystery. The difference is that, remember? The audience knows yes. versus they Isn't don't know. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. A mystery is when nobody knows, like you or the people in the book. Whereas a thriller is when you do know, like you know who the killer is and you know who the stalker is, but the main character doesn't. So like you, isn't that crazy? Sometimes you even uh, get to see like some of the story from their perspective. Yeah. The perspective of the the, the person, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Well, anything else in the book? Any last No, I mean, notes? I think you can definitely, it's very readable. Oh, so it's a great book. So if you're interested, just pick it up. I think yes, that, you know. At your local bookstore. Yes. Um, she's also been featured uh, several times. She goes on another podcast that I really like called You're Wrong About. Mm-hmm. And she is, they're like oh, really yeah. good friends. And she's done several sort of episodes that's really great. So if you just want like a, like a quick dive to Rachel Monroe, you could definitely mm-hmm. pick out, check out any of the You're Wrong About episodes where she's a mm-hmm. guest. So. I did not know that connection so that's she great. covers lots of different out. like there's like she'll take on a specific serial killer talk about a specific oh. trend so it's really cool i think you might actually enjoy yeah. those episodes i so. probably really would do that okay and uh we're gonna bring on some guests for the next few episodes yes, so we that's are. gonna be really fun it's time to get other women in their lived experiences um because we are two goal. cis white women just yeah. talking so we're yep. gonna try to bring in a variety of um and not a, not just cis white women but no we're the same age like yeah. so it's like if we can get different people that's our um, goal on, that'll be the goal all right, all right. See, ya. see you guys later this podcast sponsored by let's go studio produced by pod squad additional production support by ben does business find us and check out our show notes on our website at feminishpodcast.com.